collector's discount last week. I told you that you could do that. And I thought of one that I, 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 I realized that this week, another way you can take advantage of that, those of you who weren't here last week, I'll, I'll bring you up to speed here in a minute, uh, that we're all ministers and, and everyone was ordained last week in the ministry. And I'll just grandfather you all in today, uh, if you weren't here last week as well. But, uh, another one you take advantage of, there's special parking at the hospitals. At the hospital at Mosaic, there's uh, clergy parking. I hardly ever park there because it's not close enough. I can always get better spots. But, but hey, if it's all uh, taken care of, you can, uh, uh, all the spots are taken. There is clergy uh, parking. So if someone hassles you, just let them know, hey, I'm a minister. I can park here. Um, we've been looking over the last few weeks, and I promise we're done today with, with this idea of being ministers of grace. The, the first sermon we talked about the idea of looking at grace, that grace Number one, covers us and then completes us. That, that God's grace, uh, uh, overwhelms us and completely covers us. Uh, then, then last week we looked at this idea of looking for grace. And, and I suggested as, uh, as an exercise is that we look in the church for grace. We look in the church and actually I gave several opportunities or several examples of, of how we can see that in the church, how we can see people showing grace as, as kind of an example to us. So that we can realize, man, there are opportunity after opportunities for us to be ministers of grace if we'll just do that. In fact, we look from the scripture, and we'll read it here in a second, uh, and scripture actually comes down to two things. Paul, or Peter here only describes two ways. There's obviously more than that, but, but, but he, he highlights two things that we can do to be ministers of, ministers of grace. One of them is to speak. To speak the words of God. And, and, and all of us can speak, so if we can speak, then we've found our gift that we can be ministers. And the other one is simply to serve, that we can serve. If we can do things for other people, then uh, it, it can take on uh, that. That So there, there's a plan, there's a purpose, and and then that points us finally uh, to the world. Uh, and that's what we'll finish up with today. We look, we look at grace and we see that it co- covers us and it completes us. We, we see grace in the church and we see many examples of it. And so that brings us to today and and I'm going to I'm going to ask two questions and and actually we're going to answer two questions here this morning as we look at this last idea um uh we we looked at grace we looked for grace and today we're going to be looking inward uh looking inward uh, uh at at grace if you have your bibles turn with me uh to 1 Peter chapter 4 1 Peter chapter 4 I'm just I'm just going to read verse 10. That's kind of the, or verses 10 and 11. That's kind of the key verses, uh, in, uh, in the text. Verse 10 says this. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God, the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Christ Jesus. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Here is the question, and it really, it really is a simple question. In reality, it's one of great, great important importance. It is pivotal for us to answer this question. And quite honestly, this morning, uh, you may choose not to answer it, but if you choose to not answer it, in essence, you are answering the question. So every one of us here today, whether you realize it or not, will be answering this question. Here it is. It's really a simple question. Am I? If you're filling out your notes, that's an easy one to just write in there. Am I? Uh, 
am I willing to give some thought today? Am I willing to answer this question? Am I willing to be, am I willing to be a minister of grace? See, the truth is we're all going to answer that today. It's either, yeah, of course, I, I want to be that. God has called me to be a minister, not to just receive grace, not just let it come over me, but, but God has called me to be a minister. Uh, and as he says here, doing it in, uh, uh, administering God's grace in its various forms. Are we willing to, to speak it, to use words of kindness, forgiveness, gentleness, caring, hope, love? Are we willing to, to use, uh, actions and responsibility to meet needs, to walk alongside, to lift up, to support. So today, it really is a simple thing. Am I, am I willing to be a, am I willing to be a minister of grace? And what it really comes down to is, will I be a disciple? Will I be a disciple? A disciple, if you want a, uh, an easy definition of what that, that word is, a disciple is one who is becoming. A disciple is one who is becoming. Now, note from that that idea of becoming, there's there's movement there, there's action. You're you're not staying in the same spot. A disciple is one who is becoming two things: more like Christ and less like the world. More like Christ and less less like the world. Are you willing today? And it really is the decision you're making. Am I going to be a disciple? Am I going to be more like Christ and less like the world? Am I going to start following him and being a minister of grace? Walter Trobisch says this. He says, Christ accepts us as we are. Now, that was the, the first sermon of this series, that we are covered by grace. It doesn't make any difference what we've done, where we come from, how bad we've been, how far from God we are. God's grace covers us. That's what he says there. Christ accepts us as we are, but when he accepts us, we cannot remain as we are. Did you catch that? We cannot remain as we are. His grace completes us then, as we talked about a few weeks ago, to be ministers of, uh, of grace, to be disciples. Dietrich bon- Bonhoeffer, in his book, uh, The Cost of Discipleship, says this, every call to conversion, every call to conversion includes a call to discipleship. Every call to conversion includes a call to discipleship or Christ-likeness. In our endeavor to be ministers of grace, it really comes down to this simple question, am I? Am I? Am I willing to be his disciple? See, Jesus calls us to be all in. He doesn't call us to just stand in grace, to just stay there. Now, now we're to, we're, we're to have that attitude. We're to stand in His grace at all times, but, but He doesn't call us to just stay there. Guys, this is the key thought that we can't just stay there. We've got to be about the business of being ministers of grace. Let me illustrate it this way. When I was in third grade, I went to church camp for the very first time. I, I'll never forget it. I, I loaded up in the car, and with me was my my twin sister Mindy, my older sister Cindy, uh, several other kids from church. There was Randy and Frank and and, and Benny and my my cousin Datha and Cheryl. There there was a ton of us that were going to Oil Belt Christian Service Camp in Flora, Illinois. And let me just be honest, I was excited because I had had older sisters and an older brother that had attended camp. I'd been there dropping them off and picking them back up. I'd kind of seen the camp, and, and I knew what was going to happen. And there were two things that I was stoked about. Now, let me just point out, as a third grader, I was not a spiritual 
giant. Uh, in fact, none of my excitement in camp had anything to do with spiritual things at all. You know what, what I was excited about? Number one, canteen. Do you guys know what they did? Did you camp call that when you were growing up? Canteen. That basically, uh, uh, they had a little, a little shop where you could buy candy and pop. Uh, and, and now I know you guys get that all the time, but man, I was growing up, that was a, that was a, that was a rare thing. And I was able to take money and two or three times a day they would open up the canteen and I could buy as much candy and as much pop as my money would allow. I ran out about Tuesday, by the way, but, uh, luckily I had sisters and friends that kind of hooked me up and I started running a tab and, and, uh, uh, so forth. But, but I could, and no one cared if I bought three candy bars. And I, and I, I got a pop and drank it, went back and got, it was, I could not wait. I was so excited about canteen. And you know, the, the other thing I was excited about, it was going to happen when I got to camp. I looked at the, I, I got the little program, looked it up, found out when two o'clock on Monday afternoon, this was going to happen. At two o'clock, they rang a bell. Every camp's got a bell and they, they rang that bell and everyone knew what it was. I, I turned when I, that bell rang, I turned and ran back to the dorm to get on my swimming trucks. Because we were going swimming. And so I, I got my trunks on. I got my towel. I was one of the first kids out at, to go back to the bell. That's where we were going to meet. I'm like, come on, guys. Get, we can't go swimming until everyone's here. And finally, all the kids came. And then we're waiting on some of the adults. Like, come on, the adults, get here. And, and man, I was stoked. We were going swimming. And, and so the dean began to talk about, uh, uh, about some of the rules and what we're going to do. And, and, and so he lined us up and we marched what seemed like about five miles to, to the swimming pool. It was the, the, the city pool in Florida. Now it probably was only about a quarter mile, but, but single file, we walked out of the camp into the park and over to the pool. And each step, my anticipation, uh, grew. Each step, I got a little more excited. We, we came around a bend and you could see the, the pool in the distance. And that's when I saw it. I saw the high dive. That thing was 200 feet in the air. I kid you not. I was like, wow, wow. Now, maybe it wasn't quite that high, but it seemed like it was that high. When, when I was used to jumping off the side of a, a pond into the water, a, a diving board was, man, that was amazing. And, and we came around the bend, and we kind of went up a little bit of the hill so that we could look down towards the pool. And that's when I saw the, the sun glimmering off the, the pristine, the crystal clear Water of the Flora City Pool. Now, some of you are thinking, who cares? People that are my age, you, you know exactly what that means. I've never been in clean water. Man, I grew up swimming in ponds and in lakes and in creeks. Sometimes the creek water was a little bit clear till you got in and then stirred up the mud, but I'd never been in a, in a pool where, or in water where you could put your hand in and you could see your hand, much less look down and see your feet and, and that water was glimmering, and I, I was like, wow, that, is, this is going to be, so, man, I was so soaked. And we got to the bathhouse to, to the swim pool, and, and you got that little wire rack to put your clothes in, you got the little rubber band with a number and put around. Did you guys have that at the Troy pool? Little, yeah, I put a little number. So, and you know, that was pretty exciting for me to take it and put it on. And, and I turned to go into the, to the guy's side of the bathhouse, and there was this huge sign. Anyone want to guess what that sign said? Say it, I, no, no, it didn't say don't die. That was out there. Take a shower. I'm like, shower before going to the pool. And I'm thinking two things. It's not Saturday. Uh, so, um, kids, let your mom and dad explain that to you. You'll understand what that means. And the second thing I'm thinking is, really? 
I got to get wet before I can get wet. That doesn't make sense. But I, I was a rule follower, so I was going to do it. So we, we came in the shower. There was about four showers running, and everyone was running to the showers. I kind of watched the older guys go first and, and realized they just got wet enough and got their trunks just a little bit wet so they could run out and pass inspection. And, and so I kind of waited my turn, and I finally ran up to the shower, and I stood there. And, 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 and you might find this hard to believe. That was the first shower I'd been in. I mean, I, we just had a, a bathtub. I'd never been in a shower. And so I'm standing and the, the, the water's just cascading. And it's not hot. It's not cold. It was just right. And it was hitting me. I was thinking, man, this is nice. And Randy ran up to the shower beside me and he got his hair wet and, and turned around. Benny got next to the one beside me and he got real wet and turned. To, and I just stayed there in the shower. Say, man, this is nice. This shower is great. Nah, that's not what I did. I mean, I, that's not what I was there for. I, I wasn't there to take a shower. I was there to go swimming. So I, I got just enough on me to cover me, and then out the, the door I went to the pool. I, I ran church. I wonder, I wonder if sometimes, uh, I wonder if sometimes we're not stuck in the shower. Uh, now we need to go there. The sign says, and 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 for us, it's, it's a wonderful thing. It really is a great thing that God's grace covers us. We talked about the first week, guys. We got we got to catch that thought, understand it, tune into that, realize that how how powerful, important that is. But I wonder if sometimes we don't we, we don't get stuck in the shower when when the real business is out there at the pool. The real business is somewhere else. The real business for us is to be about the the ministry of grace. We're to, we're to be disciples of Christ. We're to act like Jesus and live like Jesus and be like Jesus. And sometimes we're stuck enjoying the shower. Sometimes we're stuck enjoying God's grace. And that's a great place to be. Man, God's grace covers me. Isn't this wonderful? But, but he covers us with his grace so that we can be about the business of being ministers of that grace. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, I'm going to read these fast so you might just jot them down. Luke 9, 23, Jesus says, and, and notice the movement here, notice the action. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. He doesn't say, take up your cross and stand there. He doesn't say, hey, get your cross and just stand there enjoy enjoying holding your cross. He says, take up your cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever wants to lose his life for me will save it. Matthew chapter 5 13 uh, through, through through 15, Jesus says, we're the salt of the earth, we're the light of the world. And then verse 16, he says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Again, he's, he's showing action there. Shine in such a way that people see me and praise the Father. John chapter 13, uh, verse 34 and 35, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. That's, that's what we're, we're called to be his disciple. They'll know you're my disciple if you wear a cross around your neck. They'll know you're my disciple if you go to church on Sunday. They'll know you're my disciple if you carry a big old Bible that's got, that's, that's, that's got a, got a big cover on it. They'll know you're my disciple if you say the right stuff. No, they'll know you're my disciple if you love one another. Do you get the sense that Jesus is not calling us to stand in one spot? He's not calling us to just stand in grace, to stay in the shower. He's calling us to be about the business that we're called to, to be ministers of grace. Uh, Paul 
points it out this way or, or talks it this way in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. He says, your attitude, uh, another version says, your mind should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So we're, we're to be just like Jesus, he said. And then he goes on, if you want to read on in Philippians chapter 2, 6 through 11, if you want to read on that text, he, he tells us exactly who Jesus was. He tells us what Jesus' attitude was. He talks how he left the splendor and the glory of heaven, the perfection of heaven, to come to earth, to empty himself, to be humble, and to be, uh, uh, to be a, a servant. You see where this is going. Am I going to be a minister of grace? Will I? Will I? be a disciple. See, it really is simple. Am I willing to be all in? And, and you're going to answer that this morning one way or the other. You're either saying yeah or, or no. Am I willing to be a disciple? Brian Lawrence tells this story. He said a friend of his, a guy that he went to high school with and played high school basketball with, decided that, that, that he was, in fact, he began to tell people that he was going to try out uh, to, to be on the basketball team at Georgia Tech. Now, he was going to be a walk-on. He wasn't getting a scholarship, but but he was going to try out to, to get one of the walk-on spots at uh, Georgia Tech. And and Lord said, said he had a pretty good uh, pretty good chance because he'd played ball with him. This guy was a really good basketball player. So the day came for the tryouts. It was like a three-day tryout. And, and he said his friend showed up, and right off the bat, he dazzled the coaches. They, they noticed him. Uh, they, they noticed his ball-handling skills and his dribbling skills. They noticed... That, that he was able to pass uh, 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 as a, a true point guard. They they saw him pull up behind the three-point line and drink shot after shot. They noticed how hard he worked on defense and how fast he was on the court and, and his whole vision. And, and at the end of three days, they went up to this guy and say, you have earned one of the two walk-on spots on the, t- on the team. But, but it gets better because after that happened, they called him into a room. And, and when he went into the room, he... He was was issued like four or five pairs of tennis shoes. The, the, the some of them were white, some of them were gold. That one of the colors of Georgia Tech, and and, and he had had these great shoes. And then they they gave him a, a couple sets of, of practice uniforms that were really cool. And then they gave him actually a game uniform. Now he probably wasn't going to get to play except at the end of games, maybe a couple of early games. But but it, they gave him a uniform. And on the front it said Georgia Tech. On the back it had his name, and said it was cool. And then they gave him. Two or three sweatsuits that the, the 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 sweatpants had a big G Tech on the side, the the sweatshirt or the the jacket Georgia Tech on the chest, and, and said a couple of days later he walked out back into the the old neighborhood and he was decked out head to toe in Georgia Tech gear. I mean he had his his gold shoes on and he had the sweatpants even though it was it was uh, early fall and it was still hot there he he had his full decked stuff on and man he looked good he was strutting and he was proud and they were proud of him. And made the Georgia Tech team. But it all came crashing down four days later. See, four days later, he was kicked off the team. Well, what happened? Did he get in a fight in practice? No. Did, did he break some team rule? No. Did he get in trouble for the law, get arrested for, for having weed in his car or something like that? No. Did, did he sleep through one of the practices, not show up? No. He got kicked off the team because the coach found out that this student athlete had never enrolled in school. He wasn't a student. He wanted to be on the team. He, he wanted to be decked out with all the gear, but, but he wasn't willing to go to class. He wasn't willing to, to actually be a student at the university. We are called 
we are called to be ministers of grace. We are covered by his grace, but are we willing to be a disciple? Are we willing to be a student of Jesus and follow him? The question then is, will will I be a disciple and then will I make a difference? Will, will I with my life, because that's what it comes down to, will I as a minister do something that, that matters, that makes a difference? Here's the cool thing, church. If we decide to be a disciple, if we decide to be more like Jesus and less like the world, if we really try to act like Jesus and think like Jesus and talk like Jesus and respond like Jesus and serve like Jesus and love like Jesus and and run everything through the filter of who Jesus was and who Jesus wants us to be, we will make a difference. Putting this out a couple weeks ago, it's probably going to be small things. We talked here a while back from Nehemiah, and I challenge you to be looking for the walls that God has called you to build. And, and, and one thing I, I would assume most of you as, as you've done that, you probably have realized that most of the walls that God has called you to build are small. That, that you're, you're less Nehemiah and, and a whole lot more just the common guy that was there on the wall, step, standing in the gap in his section. And, and oftentimes that's what God calls us to. He calls us to simply make a difference in the small ways. But oh, we live in a world that is crying out. We live in a world that is longing for acts of grace. And church, if we can just see ourselves as ministers of grace and look for those opportunities, look for those moments, look for those chances to be Jesus, to step into the gap and to live for him, to to be his disciple, we will make a difference. The, the first big question is, am I? Am I going to be a minister of grace? And here's the second question. It's really kind of, this is kind of more aimed at, uh, as a corporate question, as a question towards us. This is a question that we need to answer as a church, obviously individuals as well. But here's the, the second question. Will we? Will we? Will Will we be a church that is populated? Will we be a church that is full of ministers? See, will we be a church that welcomes the sinner and the broken because we realize they are where we once were? Will we be a church that rallies around the hurting, the hurting in this body, uh, even if that hurt is caused by someone's own sin? Will be a church, will we be a church that enjoys offering forgiveness as much as we enjoy receiving forgiveness? Will we be a church that grieves over the pain that sin causes, but rejoices with the healing that grace offers? Will we be a church that loves one another sacrificially and selflessly while loving the lost with that same passion? Will we be a church that is more excited and motivated by being the church outside the walls of this building than defining ourselves by what happens inside the walls of this building? Will we be a church that is constantly, continuously, tirelessly, purposefully striving to show grace by speaking the words of God and serving with the strength that he provides? Church, will we? Will we? Will we be ministers of grace? Ted Kirsch tells this story. He was a pastor in the Tulsa area 
and, and a family came to visit uh, church a couple times, and he contacted them and found his way into their home to visit with them about the church. And, and as he walked into their house, they had a lovely home and a beautiful home. And as, as they were standing in the living room, he happened to look over on the mantle. And on the, the mantle of their fireplace, there was a glass case. And in that glass case was a couple rings that were displayed. And, and uh, so he just kind of walked over there, made his way over there to kind of glance in. And he, he realized immediately what they were. They, they, there was a couple rings, and, and, and they described what they were for. The rings were there to, to represent uh, something with football, and so he asked about it. He he loved sports, and and he was interested. So he, he asked he asked the the wife. It was Steve and Lisa was the couple's name. He he, he said to them, what, "What's the rings?" And 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 Steve was kind of kind of bashful about. It, so, but Lisa wasn't also. She just spoke up. Oh, those are my husband's rings. And so she got the glass case, pulled the top off, picked up one of the rings, and said, "This was his high school all American ring. He was all American in." in high school in uh, in Oklahoma, and she set that ring back down, and then she picked up another ring, and she said, this was his all-conference ring. He got got that while playing football at the University of Tulsa. This is his all-conference ring, and he set that down. So so Kerr said, I began to talk a little bit with him about that, and she says, you want to see something really cool? And, and she didn't even wait for a response. She turned and walked out of the room into the bedroom, and she came out carrying a little lockbox. And, and she, she put the key in and opened the little box, lock box and flipped up the lid. And very gently, she pulled out the contents and she said, this is Steve's Super Bowl ring. You see, he wasn't a great player, but he'd only played one year in the NFL, but he happened to be on a team that won the Super Bowl. And so she held that out very gently in her hands and she, she didn't let him touch it, but she held it and let him look at it. I mean, it was it was massive. It was about twice the size of Derek's ring. You have that on today? I should have called you and told you where. Uh, but it was huge and there, it was diamond studded and, and oh, it was, it was just massive. And, and so they talked a little bit about that and then she very gently put the ring back in the box, lock box and locked it and went back to the, back to the room where he assumed she surely put it inside a safe and locked the safe. And he said, at first I was, man, I was just blown away. I was so impressed. First I'm thinking, wow, that, that is exciting. He's got a Super Bowl ring. It, it represents the, the, his work. It represents success at the highest level. And, and it was so beautiful to look at that, that ring. And he said, so at first I was impressed and I, I was moved. And then he said, after I left it, it kind of started to sink in and it started to hit me. And, and he said, then, I noticed the sadness about that ring and I thought about about something odd that that ring which represented so much it rep- represented beauty and value and success at, at the highest pinnacle in, in, in sport that that ring that was meant to be seen was kept locked away in a safe in a lockbox only occasionally to be brought out to be shown Church, we have grace. We talk about it. We sing about it. We pray about it. We enjoy it. We get excited that God's grace covers us. And we should. Probably we should. But grace isn't meant to, to be held on to. It's meant to be lived out. To be shown. To be demonstrated. We're called, we're called to be ministers, ministers of that grace. Would you bow with me as we pray? Father, 
Show us the ways that we can be your minister, that we can show your grace to a world that needs to see it. Father, you've called us to be your disciples, and we really have a simple question today. Am I? Am I willing to follow? Am I willing to be a disciple? Am I willing to step out and make a difference? Lord, give us give us the passion to say yes. Lord, I want to be your disciple. I, I, I want to show your grace. In Jesus' name.